<laughs> Good afternoon, madam. How are you today? Hello. I'm nice and sweaty. How are you? I am not sweating. I mean, I'm always sweating a little bit in my, like, V area, um, but no more than usual, you know. I had to put real pants on today to go to the office, and I was like, what fresh hell is this? So, yeah, but I survived. I wore real pants for three hours, and now I'm back in my cozies. Um, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Hold applause. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing ripped jeans. Ripped high-waisted jeans. People that wear jeans in their own house, like, what are you even doing? Before I got on this conference call, I was walking my elderly dog so i had to put pants on this all-important conference call yeah i have on i'm gonna unbutton the top button maybe so i don't even know why you still had it buttoned yeah (laughs) so this is the spooky succubus cast we're an anti-racist anti-capitalist feminist socialist mutual aid focused podcast about horror movies and we're trying to give voice to those who have been marginalized by the genre and today we're doing something we probably shouldn't, which is covering Justin Simeon's 2020 movie, Bad Hair. Uh, disclaimer, you guys know we're both white-ish. I don't know. Race I don't know what I am. Race is complicated. But we're definitely not um, black women, and we mm-hmm. definitely don't have um, the kind of like hair prejudices and any... Uh, but we're white passing, okay? Well, we're yeah. b- mostly white passing. I don't know, you guys. I don't what know. What is white passing? I'm definitely brown. You're more brown. brown covered. Yeah, than I am. Uh huh. But yeah, race is complicated it's and complex. People, you know, it's um something I've been talking about at work is like retracing when your particular like ethnic group became white because whiteness and class in america are like really really complicated and nobody like because whiteness is a construct um Mm -hmm. nobody just like is white like there's a long history of when like your ethnic group became white or like one being white in court or whatever the fuck like what even is race you guys this is such craziness flashback to me i remember the first time i like really had to like put my ethnicity and my like race into words and I was filling out a bubble sheet in grade school I was like a child I was in elementary school like a scantron yeah and I went home to my mom and I was like I didn't know what to put on this bubble sheet because it one said white and the other one said hispanic and one said non white non-hispanic and one and I was just like I don't know what to put because it's complicated because my mom is white and my dad is latino and so I'm and yeah it's like a very complex central america is it's a lot there's a lot happening so I don't know who knows I'm itching my tit um I usually put in middle eastern because that's like my I like put middle eastern and caucasian that's like my closest identifying um choice i just i still don't even know what to put most of the time yeah it also depends every every little box is different i'm like okay, yeah sometimes, sometimes middle eastern white. isn't an option right yeah, yeah. So. and yeah just living in the diaspora you guys what the hell so, so confusing, confusing. <laughs> i'm confused oh regardless. by the way i am abby oh i'm rebecca and as we said we're talking about bad hair which is uh 
I mean, I want to say it's for a black for black people by black people, but it kind of isn't. So um, I don't know who this movie. I don't know is who for, this truly. movie is for. Yeah, Justin Simeon, just him. He made it's it for definitely for him and um and the people that invented uh what's that kind of music? I'm sorry, we have not looked at this. Oh, stuff in New a while. Jack Swing. New Jack Swing. <laughs> it's for the creators of New Jack Teddy Swing Riley. and Justin Simeon only. <laughs> yeah, just the two of them. Uh, yeah, so we shouldn't be talking about this. I'm super sorry. But, uh, yeah, like we've said before, like we said with Ease Bayou, we want to make sure that we're being inclusive in our conversations and we want to talk about black media because it's important and, you know, we're unqualified for anything anyway. I mean, we're unqualified for, like, the jobs we do on a daily basis. (laughs) Everything. Uh, so yes, disclaimer, we obviously are going to talk about black hair culture today. We didn't grow up as black women experiencing racism based on the texture and color of our hair, and we have no experience with black hair culture as individuals, but we did the research we could, and we are going to try to handle this sensitively, thoughtfully, and with empathy, and we're probably going to fail, and we want to hear from anyone and everyone who has a feeling or a thought or feels like we misrepresented anything that we're trying to speak about today yeah i don't call know. me out bro i call don't me out. Know, but do also it. if you're like those women are stupid and i'm not wasting emotional labor on That's them true. i accept that as well <laughs> yeah if you don't feel like it if you're not if you're like they're dumb anyway i don't care what they have to say it's about. our job to get our shit together and yeah. this is a small step towards us trying to actively seek anti-racism in the work we do with this podcast that 10 people listen to and uh we are trying and we're you know Trying to intake information with sensitivity and not be dicks. Garbage. I mean, I know I'm garbage, but... Right. Not like Active extra garbage. garbage. Extra yeah. stinky garbage. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, let's get into it, I guess. I suppose. It's my turn to read the plot, unfortunately. All right. I don't remember this movie. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. Kind of disclaimer. <laughs> we might as well tell them, Rebecca. I know. I'm They're going to find out anyway. <laughs> um, we did already record this episode, and the files got corrupted in our lost. Not files. One file. Guess I whose file it was. I wasn't going to tell them. It was mine. <laughs> uh, so this is a... I'm pissed. It's okay. This is take two, and maybe we'll even be better. Maybe we'll maybe rise we'll be... to the occasion on take two. I'm ready. I've already had half a can of rosé, so everybody I'm drinking in. my typical Car- uh, Campari drink, which is my new standard. But I think I'm going to break out the hardcore stuff in our our later recording sesh. We're doing a doubleheader today, Pete. Right. Get ready for it. You can't see my eyebrow raising, but it's happening. They're really working. Those eyebrows are working hard for them. Maybe you can hear them. They're bushy, so... <laughs> All right, so we open on Anna Bledsoe making a radio DJ recording with product in her hair. An older girl, Linda, who shares the room with her, is helping her put treatment in. As Linda puts the next step of the process in, she accidentally burns a sizable chunk of Anna's scalp. Uh, The young girl screams and drops a mirror, and then we fade to black. Ominous music plays as we see hair fall into buckets and people bag it for shipment. The logo on the crates reads Madison Co. Louisiana, 1866. Another cut to L.A. in 1989. A grown-up Anna, played by Elle Lorraine, 
ties up her natural hair, and heads to a casting call where she is told she is, quote, too urban and not rock, rock enough. She then heads to her job as an executive assistant at Culture, the black cultural branch of RMV, which is a rock m- music video channel, which is like I just think of MTV. MTV and Yo! MTV Raps. Yeah. Which I forgot existed. Um, but I don't know if this is everywhere in the world but or in the United States, but in Massachusetts, the RMV is basically the DMV. It's yeah. RMV instead of DMV. So that I'm like, why are they going to the RMV, the Registry of Motor Vehicles? Right. In Arizona, it's MVD. A government center. Oh, yeah. A government center. Weird. It's really uh, dystopian in there, for sure. <laughs> don't ever go. Oh my god, um, they, my license photo is so bad because they, it all happened so fast, I couldn't control it because I don't technically need my glasses to drive, so they make you take them off so that you are like an accurate representation of your driving self in your license photo. So I like take my glasses off and I'm wearing a full on winter coat and like, She's just like, click. And then she says, is that okay? And I was like, I'm not going to tell this woman that that photo is not okay. Like, she's not getting paid enough to retake this photo for me. <laughs> like, I just have to live with it. So it's a really bad picture. I, there is no, I'm not a photogenic person. And I think, like, every time someone puts a camera near me, I just, like, Bleh! forget how to person. Like, face, yeah. How do you, yeah. how you face? <laughs> how do, how, what does my face normally do? And so when I went to take my passport photo, I went to the Quincy uh, post office. And it was That place packed. is chaotic as shit anyway. It's <laughs> chaotic and it was fucking packed. And I was, like... I just need to take this photo. And seriously, perhaps this the smallest woman I've ever seen was taking this photo of me. And I'm like an average sized, I'm like 5'2"-ish. And so she was so much shorter than me. And so she's like, you need to put your head down. I can't see your ears. And so she's like making me make this face. <laughs> and my passport photo is horrible. And then I have like really long hair. So she's like, "You ha- I have to be able to see your ears. My hair is super frizzy, so I'm t- my ears are like out, and my head, my chin is tucked in, and it's perhaps the worst photo of me well, ever taken. And that it. is a difficult, it's a difficult Wait, task. We should put these photos on the. <laughs> my license photo is so bad. I look like I'm about to go on a killing spree. Which maybe I am. Who knows? Adams is really bad, too, because he had a beard, like, all the, the whole summer before he took the photo. And then he decided the day he was going to go to the RMV, <laughs> he would shave it down to just a mustache. <laughs> I was like, what? Aww, so now for 10 Adam. years, he has a mustache license, but he doesn't ever have a mustache only. It's either, like, clean shaven or bearded. And that is, it's not the best mustache, I'm sorry to say. Aw, I love a good mustache. Though. All right, we'll put Adam's picture on the Picture on there, too. too. Caesar is, like, a very, uh, he looks a lot tougher than I think he is, because he's, like, a big dude, and he's got, like, a full beard and, like, very severe eyebrows, and so his, all of his, like, passport driver license photos are very, like, serious. Like he's Except like, then you talk to him for 30 seconds and, and then like, he's oh, like, never hey, mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I'm Caesar. I'm the nicest person you've ever met. Yeah. Uh, we should make a bracket to like determine which one of our spouses is nicer. Like a niceness bracket. <laughs> right. They're both much nicer than us. Yeah, that's why that. the relationship works. <laughs> There's one yeah. crazy evil one and then one personable nice one. Right. He's very personable. It's annoying sometimes. 
Which is what makes yeah, me the evil one. Sometimes we don't need to say hello to every fucking person. And we can just get going and go where we're like okay. headed to. The douchebag at the bar who wants to talk to you is not like, don't engage. Like, don't talk to the strange man. You don't man. owe like, anybody don't. anything. Just move on. Like, yeah. I want to just drink my beer in silence, okay? It's gotten to the point where, like, sorry, I burped. He'll run into the um, neighbors on the first floor when they're wasted, and they'll try to, like, talk us up and, like, tell us how we should buy the house and, like, how much they love us because they're drunks. And um, I'll be like, okay, bye. And I'll just walk away, <laughs> use my own keys to unlock the apartment. And I'll be sitting in here for, like, 15 minutes watching TV by the time he, like, frees himself. He's like, how do you just do that? I'm like, I'm dead inside. I walk away because I don't care. Yeah. Try he, it. We- he gets cornered by strangers all the time. Our, like, our, because we live in an, like, have lived in apartment complexes, and he's like, I don't want to talk to them. We have to avoid them. I'm like, just, when they say something, just go, uh-huh, and walk away. Like, that's even, what I do. You can even be polite, like, hey, hi, yeah, I'm on my way out. Bye. Right. Just, you don't have to engage. Pretend like you really have to send a text. Pretend Goodbye. you have diarrhea. Yeah. No one will talk to you if it seems like you're going <laughs> to shit yourself. Mm, claps your, the back of your pants. Um, okay, so. Uh, so, Anna. Cue James is, Vanderbeek. Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, James Vanderbeek's Grant Madison is in this. Uh, Babbles on. Is, did I say that already? Oh, she's running late for a board meeting, if I didn't say that. Anna is running late for a board meeting to discuss the future of the channel culture. James Vanderbeek's Grant Madison is babbling about how he knew knows all about quote new jack shit and is going to change culture for the better. Edna Knight, played by Judah Scott, is the current EVP, which we've decided is the executive vice president. Um, I thought it was executive video producer, but I think we I'm settled wrong. this in our dead episode, our right. lost episode, <laughs> our lost episode. Um, she's stepping down and will be replaced by Vanessa Williams's Zora Choice. She is light skinned with straight hair. Mm-hmm. Cue the foreshadowing. Yeah, uh, Zora has brought her own assistant and has changed the name of the channel to Colt. The more it's not foreshadowing. It's, yeah. None of the foreshadowing is subtle. Uh, after the meeting, Anna and two VJs of Block, one of the music video channels at the now-deceased culture, Brooklyn, played by Lena Waithe, and Sister Soul, played by Yanni King Madsheen, lament to Edna that they can't do this without her. Edna tells them that she's going to start her own production company and will call them when it's up and running. A new single from pop star Sandra, played by Kelly Rowland. So good, and it's a good song. So good. Is premiering on the block, and everyone gathers to watch. Anna Brooke and Sister Soul and other women of the network comment that Sandra has a possible new nose, contacts, and new hair, which might be a sewn-in weave, which is a new new hair technology. You know what? Justice for Michelle Williams and Kelly Rowland, because, like, you can't, be on Beyonce's level, but they they had some hits. They're doing they the had best some they times. Can. Also, this is a hot take and I know a lot of my friends disagree with this, but I think Solange is the more talented Noel's sister. I agree. Thank I'm not you. a huge like I don't I'm not a this is gonna sound really douchey when I say this, but I'm not a huge pop music fan. Uh so I don't like really know. But I have listened to some of, like, Solange's music, and I'm like, this is good. It's really good. And I don't, 
Cracking open a cold one. Yeah, did you hear that? It was satisfying. How could I not hear it? It was like louder than your voice. It was so loud. I'm sorry. It was very close to the mic. Um, But I did listen to Destiny's Child when I was a kid, so. Sure, who didn't? But Kelly Rowland is great in this movie, and she has a really good voice, and um, she's a great. She deserves better. Yeah, great early 2000s pop star. She is, uh, she's on the level with Beyonce, if you ask me. She's also done several scary movies, so she's... I just, like, how did Beyonce happen? I don't know. It's co- you know, so people wild, like, right? People love to love things that other people love. That's what I think. I appreciate that, yeah. So that's, like, how we get certain things, like celebrities. I mean, yeah. Lemonade was freaking incredible. You should probably watch it if you haven't seen it. Not to say, like, you should... uh you should Breaking Bad this shit, but it's really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's like certain things that like, yeah, everyone's told me I should do something, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. Yeah, like smile. <laughs> God, don't ever. The other day someone at work was like, pull down your mask so I can see your face. And I was like, um, no, because no. you can't direct me around like you own me. Gotta was it someone you, you want a beer or a customer? No, people I work with see my face all the time because I have like constantly drinking coffee and water. So like, it when just was happens. the last time a guy or girl or non-binary person left a like phone number for you? Uh, uh, probably like when I was at Black Lamb, but it doesn't happen that often because I'm not very nice. So that's true. Or but hot, I always so. tried to fuck the bartenders that weren't nice to me. Because I'm broken right. inside. But, yeah, just, I mean, you guys don't try to fuck your bartenders. They don't want to have sex with you. I've tried to fuck at least ten bartenders, and none of them have had sex with me ever. Yeah, I think, like, maybe it happens to people who are, like, uh, hot and flirty, but I'm not. I'm neither. So. I mean, I'm not hot, but I am, like, I have no shame. And sometimes the confidence confuses people into thinking that mm. I'm attractive, um, I think you're attractive, Abby. Thank you so much. I'm so confident because of what you just said. But, I know. <laughs> I've changed your whole life. But, yeah, I just, like, never been able to crack the bartender nut. It's uh, Bartenders are some of the worst people I've ever met. Honestly, also some of the they're best. so, there's so <laughs> many, like, different personalities. They truly run the gambit. Because I'm very, I'm like a... I'm like a very straight to the point bartender. I'm not like a fun. I can be fun, but I'm usually just like, do you want to drink? Do you want to drink? Do you want to know about this? Do you want to not want to know about this? I'm not going to flirt with you. I'm not going to pretend I give a shit about you either. Tell us some um, tips that you as a bartender wish people knew. Like, for example, do you like it when people are like, surprise me, make anything? No. I fucking hate it. I hate it. Uh, either know what you want to drink or leave. Because they never, people never like, like, it's so specific, especially for drinks. Like, you're never going to like what I like. Like, I would just drink a gin and tonic or a beer. Is that what you want? No, probably not. So just pick, you know, I can't live your life for you, friend. Like, <laughs> this has been our new segment. What your bartender wishes you knew with Rebecca. Yeah, don't ask me to make decisions for you. That's And I do it all the time, and I'm just going to pick something at random. 
Um, unless you are like someone who really knows stuff about cocktails and is like, maybe you're like, something. I want something herbaceous with like right. gin and yeah. like an egg yolk. <laughs> then, egg okay, white. great. I'm not going to make you Ramos Gym Fizz because it's, per- it's so annoying. The I know. Worst drink the ever worst to make it my, take like, 25 minutes. And my toxic trait it. is that if there's a drink on a menu with an egg white, I will fucking order it. Like, I, I love egg white cocktails. Love egg white and cocktails. I- I don't mind making them, but don't come in an hour before we close and order seven egg white cocktails, because I'll hate you. Don't come in an hour before we close at all. Just go yeah, home. Yeah, Adam will, like, he'll be like, hey, there's, like, they're still open for 30 minutes. I'm like, nope, I won't go in anywhere if they're closing in an hour, like, don't, or less. Don't no. do it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you, like, no, if you're like, I like sweet stuff, and I like tequila, then I'm like, okay, cool. But if you're like, whatever, like, I have... 150 liquors on the bar like what give me something give me a clue but nobody cares about that okay uh, i think people are interested in this <laughs> in in life as a bar but that company. is it is true that it's not what we're here to talk about so uh let's see so kelly Rowland is uh, she's singing it out and her new single is premiering on the block and everyone is gathering to watch and they're talking about her weave and then anna goes to talk to Julius, the only male VJ of the block. We learn that they've been seeing each other for years, but he's dumping her because he's been seeing someone new. At home, Anna is watching a movie starring Sandra, and her landlord bangs on the door and remarks that he'll kick her out because she's late with the rent. At work, Anna is called into a meeting with Zora. Many people have already been fired. We see people packing up their things in the background. And her assistant tells her that this isn't a uh, meeting, it's an interview. In the, in the interview, Anna tells Zora that she was the one who came up with the block, but was passed up for the hosting spot, which eventually went to Julius. She then pitches a new countdown and vote-in show for the channel, and Zora A.K. seems TRL. TRL. Holy fuck, guys. Gen Zers. Do you know what TRL is? Because we all had to look at Carson Daly for decades. Honestly, could they have chosen a human being with less charisma for the host of that show? He like, Carson Daly like, does not have it. I mean, he did it for so long. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so... Zora seems impressed with the idea and offers her a spot as an associate producer, moving her up from executive assistant. Zora then asks if Anna is tired of the funny look she gets for her natural hair. Zora says that her girls need to flow freely. Eep. Uh, it's not good. So on her desk is a business card left by Zora's assistant, Roslyn, paid, played by Ashley Blaine Featherson, for Zora's hairdresser, Virgie, which for some reason is very hard for me to say. Virgie. Virgies. Virgie. Um, so Anna goes to her family's house where her uncle Amos is discussing and looking through a book of African folktales, including the story of the moss-haired girl. Grown-up Linda is a teacher, and her family seems unimpressed with Anna's video music aspirations. Anna finds the, quote, fairy tales from the book ridiculous, and Amos lectures Anna on subjugation and oppression through cultural repression, which is, like, a fair thing to talk about, but he does it in a sort of douchey, pretentious way. Right, and, uh, and I think Amos that, like... Amos is played by 
Blair Underwood. Who, yeah, last <laughs> time we recorded this episode, we were like, <laughs> we should we not hypersexualize black men? But then we were like, but he's so hot. I mean, yes. So we we're acknowledging that we're being problematic, but like, he's so fucking hot. I want to sit on that dick. I mean, I'm going to say that we we are a podcast who um, all all uh, reduce men to sexual objects any day of the week, but yeah. we shouldn't be doing it to black men because there's a history of it especially in white media and culture so i swear to god like if i see a man and i'm even like 10 percent attracted to him i just want to know what his dick looks like i I don't want to necessarily do anything with it but i just want to know what it looks like is it weird looking is it cute yeah like because you know it's never what you expect it's always a new adventure i think that (laughs) most of the time it's like it fits you know, it's like if you look at the person as a whole, like it'll fit with that person. I would push back and say that's just not always true. Sometimes you get a curve ball. Do you get it? <laughs> Spicy. Um, but yeah, so. so Amos is definitely coded as like angry black male academic. And he is portrayed like basically in that way immediately without much like wiggle room or nuance. Um, and he does express like remorse and they have like tender moments later in the movie, but it hits you like really hard. You're like, okay, I get the point you're trying to make, you know? (laughs) There are a lot of like instances where like, yeah, that's you're, you're putting these actors into stereotypical roles that they would play in. Ooh, another can pop Cracking open a cold one. I like it. Um. Polar pomegranate today, gang. Ooh, fancy. Um, but yeah, they're not given the chance to sort of flex their acting chops the way that they could because they're reduced to stereotyped roles that they would have played in any other movie. So yeah. like give Blair And we see this happen a, a lot in this movie particularly. Yeah. Like flesh out your characters, please. Make um, it super fleshy. Fleshy, that's what I like. Talking about penises again. Anyway. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> Rebecca likes an extra fleshy dick. Oh, that doesn't, their flesh is just flesh. I just think the word flesh is kind of like gross, but also. Yeah, it's really disgusting. Like has like a sexy element. Anyway. All right. Well, we won't say it in, you know, weird ways for the next. Flesh. flesh. Should I say. <laughs> okay, okay, no, let's move moist. on. Moist. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all, but. Moist? No, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a lot of people's trigger words. So I think if it's your trigger just, word, get ready. People, People are grossed out by anything that can be even, like, loosely, tangentially tied with vaginas. I think that's what it is. That's true. I don't like kitty words. I don't like, like, words like that poopy. infantilize. Ugh, that, But mostly body parts. Like, that really grosses me um, out. Like, Adam's nephew calls his penis his winky. Ew, that's He's gross. <laughs> I hate it. I really hate it. It freaks me out. Um... So don't say it to me. Any words that end in I-E-S, pretty much don't say it or I'll make Again, you heard you. it here first. Rebecca loves a fleshy winky. Ew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about? So um, Anna's aunt gives her $500 to cover her rent. And um, as she's leaving, Amos comes out and so they have the like, tender moment they sort of apologize to each other and he gives her the book of african stories and then anna goes to virgie's the salon recommended by roslyn but there are no openings for months she begs virgie played by laverne cox and waits all day to get in as anna looks through virgie's supplies 
they discuss the magic of hair, and then we go to the sewn-in process, which is uh, painful. Very visceral, yeah. Very visceral. Very yeah. body horror, definitely. It's a sharp needle, tight braids, she's My bleeding. My scalp feels, oh, ow, just thinking about it. As, like, yeah, as someone who has straight, pretty much straight hair, I, um, it hurts me. I, like. Yeah, for sure. My mom also, I'm not tender-headed, which is something they also talk about, is, like, my mom did my hair a lot when I was a kid, because I did a lot of, like, I had to swim all the time, so we had to do competitions, and I, she had to, like, pull my hair back really tight and put it in a tight bun, and she used to do, like, really tight little braids. Mm-hmm. And so she, like, she, like, really hurt me. And so it kind of, like, I was, like, eight years old again, where she was, like, putting butterfly clips in my, like, <laughs> oh, no. like stamping them into my scalp. But that's Did what you I, wear she's, them, like, like, in a little row, like, really there's close a picture to the front of, of your hairline? Speaking of things you should share to the Instagram, there's a picture of me, because for my eighth birthday... In the 90s, everybody wanted, like, soup, those, like, butterfly clips and the really tight braids in the front, mm-hmm. and that's what she did, and it hurt so bad. I remember that, and, but it looked so cute, and we went out to my favorite restaurant, which was a, a Chinese buffet. And Chinese buffets were this shit before you realized it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, but I was like, it's my favorite. And so there's, like, a picture of me so happy with my little butterfly that's clips. That's so cute. Chinese you know buffet. what I was into is the zigzag, like... Um, um, headbands, yeah. you know, I would I would fuck with one of those right now. Let's bring it back. Uh, puka shells are back. Don't wear them; they're ugly. Okay, they were well, ugly. have you seen this whole thing on TikTok this week? That's like only olds wear skinny jeans and have like side parts. So Generation Z was telling the olds, us millennials, that like <laughs> the side parts are out and skinny jeans are out. So they're only doing, like, middle parts and, like, the teeny tiny little, like, tube tops and then, like, you know, wide leg jeans. And I'm like, yeah, we already did that. I remember the 90s. We did it already. (laughs) I will wear uh, tight-fitting jeans until the day I die and no one will tell me any different. Okay? Yeah. My body was not made for anything else, so suck it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, like, stuck a bell bottom on here and there and it's, it's, I'm, like, literally a bell shape, so let's not. <laughs> yeah, I talk. I'm very pear shaped. Okay, I can't wear bell bottoms. Okay, leave me alone. Um, so speaking of bell bottoms, no, we're not. No, that's not. Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> after the weave is in, Virgie tells her that it will hurt for the first week and gives her a oil blend, um, in a pink bottle, and tells her never to get it wet. Sandra comes in uh because she got her hair wet at a at a video music video shoot and her eyes are flashing gold also usher is there um he's playing her it, he's usher her grossly partner. underutilized in this movie uh caesar my partner do you know him do you guys remember never him? heard we of talk him, about no. him all the time uh he doesn't he like likes usher but also thinks that he needs to move on from talking about um, like just fucking women. He's like he's old. He's been talking about this for twenty years. Like he needs to expand his musical. Does Usher hours. still make music? Yeah. Oh, I just have this like very specific like Usher, Usher. time period in my head, and then I knew he was like a producer and helped like other young artists come up in the business, and then sometimes he's in movies. Yeah, I didn't know he. Had I just new, always new think of like coming out. Love in this club. Oh, yeah. I like, I like Usher. I, even when he was in, he's also been in a lot of scary movies, so. 
I feel like he's been in a couple. Wasn't he the like DJ? He was like the high school DJ in um, she's all that. Am yeah, I remembering that wrong? Yeah, that was like his. No, he was. I was the like, what happens DJ? in Southern that California? A... My high school doesn't have a DJ. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah, and uh, I forget what scary movie he was in. It wasn't. Shall we go to the IMDb? The Halloween that that uh, Brandy was in. Oh yeah. Also known as Moesha. I loved Moesha. Remember when they had the boys' mind? She and Monica did the boys' mind. Oh my god, so, so good. good. This has been a tour through nineties R and B. Okay, Usher was in the faculty. That's what you're thinking. <gasps> oh my god, I you love just the watched it. Yeah, I did just watch it, but I've seen it so many times that it like lives in a special spot in the very back of my. Medulla oblongata. I feel like I need to clear out some of the shit that's in my head that I use for <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we'll do the faculty someday, but it's like, it means too much to me. I can't. God, he's an extensive IMDb page. Yeah, he's been, he's been making, making the rounds. Okay, you got so. It, you got it bad. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Okay, so that night, Anna reads some of the book that Amos gave her, including the tale of the moss-haired girl, which tells of an enslaved woman who worked in the house of her captors. She goes to a tree in the forest that is covered in black moss that looks like hair. She takes some of the moss and makes makes a wig. Yeah. Have you heard of wigs? Do you know what a wig is? Uh... We then see an illustration of the hare attacking a white man in, like, a suit, who is presumably the the, the horrible person in chief. So... No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, Anna dreams of her family in ornate traditional African dress sitting at a table full of food. Do we get an explanation for this? No. Will we see it again? Yes. They were nice shots. They were pretty. They were really beautiful shots. And they're like sort of laughing. It's like a jovial nature. Right. In all of the faces. So at work the next day, Anna is feeling confident and people are taking note of her hair. Some good, some bad. She accidentally cuts her finger and finds the hair sucking up blood from the wound. Which is a pretty, like, gross. Doesn't she, think like, anything of it. Tugs Just moves on, on with her day. Yeah. And she's like, oops, don't think too much about that. Um, at a planning meeting, Zora says they will no longer play cooking shows and tells Brooke and Sister Soul that they need to change their respective looks. It also appears that Zora is trying to claim Anna's idea as her own. In a private meeting, Zora tells Anna that she is deciding whether or not Anna will host the new show... And she also admits that she and Julius are fucking and tells her to get the other girls on board, meaning she needs them to get weaves. Why would you, as like an older woman who has like probably fucked enough guys to know that like younger men don't know how to have sex, like why do you want to fuck (laughs) someone so young and just be like, Here's how you perform, like, cunnilingus. Here's how you find the clitoris. I'm like, not sure that it's, like, older men do know that. Especially in the 80s. Like, were older men, like, caring about their partner's pleasure? Probably not. Some men Unfortunately. still don't. Yeah. Some men still don't. Ugh. Ugh. Hashtag not all men. Rebecca. Not all men. Not all men. It's true. Um, I've, <laughs> I've watched a few episodes of Don't Judge Me. 
Sex in the City. And it's so bad. And, like, their depictions of female sex and pleasure is really upsetting. I hear that that, I've never watched that show, but I hear it's, like, pretty problematic if you revisit it today. It's pretty problematic, yeah. Um, And it's just, like, it's also, like, they only ever show the other women's, like, breasts and vaginas. They never show Sarah Jessica Parker's because we're supposed to relate to Carrie. So, like... She, we don't see her as much of a sexual object as the other ones. It's weird. It's weird. It's a really weird show. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I've gone a long time without watching it. I don't think I'm going to start now. Don't, don't. Don't do it. Don't It's how me. I feel about girls. It's like, I missed my chance. Don't I fucking do watch it. girls. Oh, <laughs> Lena Dunham is a piece of literal garbage. She is just such trash. And... Um. I remember watching that show and being like, this is supposed to, like, I'm supposed to resonate with this because this is supposed to be, like, my generation, but these people are not relatable. Like, don't connect. Not good. (laughs) Don't connect. Don't connect. Except Um, for the part where Lena Dunham is, like, fucking a man that's horrible to her. I was like, yes, no, I can get with that, but, like, she's just so grating, and, like, I mean, that's that's anti-feminist to say, but she's... She's setting feminism back, and she's, like, a problem. And It's also, I, like, not intersectional. Like, talk about no. a woman pretending that they're intersectional and a feminist without actually being a feminist. Gross. Yeah, she's a real problem. You know what show you should watch if you haven't watched it and you do, like, things like Girls and Sex and the City? Insecure, which is one of my favorite shows. And it's I... fucking hilarious. Okay, so and here's you know what who... happened with Insecure. Oh, no. I watched the first couple of episodes and I actually didn't get back the past the broken pussy thing because it was like the meanest thing I've ever seen anyone do to another person on a TV broke show. Ass pussy. Yeah, so good. It's so fucking I I really I love it. I love it so much. I maybe I'll El get Lorraine back into it. is also in Insecure. She's a she small plays Trina. Pair, yeah, yeah, she plays a which is another like Ella Rain is clearly a good actor and can play funny roles, but she's not given any sort of. It's she's back. like a simpering, like weak-minded mess. Yeah. mess in this. Uh, uh, I do love Black Lady Sketch Show, which actually the person um, Robin Thede or Thede, who is the uh, woman at the desk at Virgie's, is the creator of Black Lady Sketch Show, and they're really, really? funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. Oh, it's on Hobo. Okay. Hobo. Have you heard of it? <laughs> also known as H- HBO. Home box, box office. Office. Okay. Box office. Fleshy box <laughs> office. <laughs> that's my um that's my new name. I'm gonna change my name to Fleshy Box Office. It's a pretty yes. good name. You should change your Instagram handle right now. Yeah. That's what's in my at, my new at. Um I couldn't think of the word at, so that's why I just said new name. I think we just we just need to keep going. I've had I'm I'm too many roses in. I've okay, already so. got those too. Okay, focus. Okay, here we are. Um so at home, Anna's landlord returns for the third time and asks for the rent um, and tries to sexually assault her. It's handled very poorly. Bad, really bad, yeah. She stabs him with a box opener and her hair drinks his blood. She tosses his dead body out the window and into a dumpster below. In a programming meeting, Anna and Zora try to convince Sister Soul to change her hair, and we see that Brooklyn already has. 
Sister Stoll remarks that she shouldn't have to change herself to fit their model and discusses choice and her lack of it. Days later, we see that Sister Soul has relented and now the entire team is on board and has weaves and is part of Colt. At her at home, her hair is not lying flat and it's kind of all over the place. And it's then sucks up her period blood, whips around on its own and becomes straight and shiny again. And then it she was, looks in the mirror and she says, says, this never happened. This never happened. Yeah. Um, and then at the cult premiere party that night, Anna runs into Edna, who is resentful of her new hair and her confidence. Anna tells her that she was never given the opportunity for change at culture um, because she was kept at the same position for years. And Edna says that um, she preferred to keep her integrity rather than get on board with cult. Um Anna says that Zora gave her things that Edna couldn't, like a hosting spot. She's sure that she's going to get this spot on the new show, the countdown show that she created. Later at the party, Grant tells Anna that Zora is going to be the new face of Colt. Seemingly as revenge, Anna picks up Julius, and they go back to his place and have sex. She is gold-eyed, and her hair seems to be taking control of her. She puts a blindfold on him, stabs him with a wine glass, and her hair drinks his blood. She calls Linda and asks her to read her the moss-haired girl story. The story describes things that have been happening to Anna, like a different person staring back at her from the mirror, the hair drinking blood, the hair moving on its own, ETC. The story says that the hair isn't moss, but witch's hair, and concludes that if you see her walking around the woods, remember it's only her body. The witches take turns in her head. Anna goes to a different salon, crowned, to have her weave taken out. There she runs into Edna and they apologize to each other. As the hairstylist tries to cut Anna's hair, it kills the stylist and Edna and everyone else in the shop. Anna, whose hair is now all the way down her back, runs to the office, finds Zora there. She tells her that her hair is demanding more and she and the hair just killed Cheryl, who was the old um, sort of head of programming. And the two discuss that the hair is trying to take them over and get inside their heads. There's a lot of pointing at temples here. (laughs) It's Uh, true. (laughs) Uh, Zora tries to cut it off, but it wraps around her neck and strangles her. Anna goes to her family's house and finds Amos there. She talks to him about the moss-haired girl story. He tells her that some indigenous people believe that a person's hair held all their thoughts, even after death. He warns her of the dangers of supposing and stereotyping about indigenous culture. She lies and tells him that her questions are just for a segment on her show. He, like, gets close to, like, because they're, like, making a lot of assumptions about, um, there's, like, all those, like, we'll get into it later, I guess. We will get into it. But it's not great. This scene is problematic. Yeah, for sure. It's super problematic. Um, At work, Rosalind tells Anna that she's going to be the new host at, the host of the new show because no one can find Zora while the new show is premiering Sandra comes out to surprise Anna who is distracted when she spots Zora at the back of the audience she's shown in just silhouette and her gold flashing eyes that night Anna goes to Zora's office but finds Rosalind there who um begins to tell her something weird is going on with Zora but the hair wraps around Rosalind and pulls her into the office Zora emerges from a nest of hair and chases Anna, who stumbles into a room where we see other women who got weaves. It's kind of hard to tell who's who. I think Sandra's there and 
uh, Sister, Sister Soul is there, and and uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is in the front. Um, and they and there's a dead white guy on the table. There's like a cut off leg and a head. Like she's chased around the office, and it turns out that Brooklyn isn't dead. She was just pretending. She goes to save her from Zora. Their hair, Anna and Zora's hair, whips around together and is like communicating, sort of. Um, and then Anna cuts part of it off while it's distracted. She gives Zora a heel to the face, and she and Brooklyn flee. Sister Soul finds them waiting for the elevator and just kills Brooke for some reason. Uh, Anna then hides in a recording booth, and then Zora and the others are on the other side of the glass, trying to get, and the hair is trying to get through. She activates the sprinkler system. While the water pours, she's able to cut the weave off. On the other side of the glass, the women appear to be dying or reverting, slash reverting to normal. Who knows? We then follow the a truck with uh, the Madison Company logo as it um, it's appeared briefly throughout the movie. Um, it's delivering all the dead bodies back to the site of where the hair is harvested. Um, Anna's voiceover reads the ending of the Moss Hair Girl story that says, the captor was, quote, survived by two boys who took over the land and all that grew upon it, including the hair that seemed to grow like moss on the trees. We see Grant Madison, James Vanderbeek, surveying the shipment of bodies and hair. Anna goes on to say, the way they saw it, if it grew on the land that Daddy claimed, they owned it, and it owned them. Anna is moving in with Linda, who reveals she's getting a weave from Virgie's because she finally got in for an appointment. Anna calls after her in a panic, and we close out Fade to Black. We did it! Well, you did it. <sighs> I don't know. Did we do it? How how long have we been talking? Forever. 45 minutes. Um, so... What to unpack first? Should we start with colorism? (gasps) Colorism. Colorism. Um, So there's a lot of like light skinned, dark skinned. I I do appreciate that we are our protagonist is a dark skinned black woman, and that we're following her. Like she's who we're rooting for throughout the story. But it's also unproductive. Yeah. That the real antagonist is a white man, but the perceived antagonist is Zora, who is light-skinned. Um, <sighs> like, if not... you're going to make the white guy the bad guy, like, yes, of course the white guy is the bad guy. I love I love to see it. But then, like, actually make him the white guy and don't just make another black woman the, the antagonist. Yeah. Because Zora is our main antagonist for most of, for the entire movie, except for the last minute and a half. Right. And, um... When Anna leaves the casting call, most of the women are lighter skinned. So it is this um, through line that we see throughout the movie, but I don't think it comes to like a satisfying or productive conclusion because the Zora and um, Anna really don't have any like come to Jesus moment where they talk about like how I don't know I guess they don't need to talk because it's a horror movie so people are just getting slashed but I don't know it just feels like it feels like like a throwaway they have like this promising moment where they're experiencing they have this shared experience of their hair you know like trying to control them Uh, and they have like a human moment of communication and then that's like taken away when Zora is like enveloped by the hair or whatever and it's also like we are set up from the very first scene that Linda 
Linda and her mother both have straight hair and like all that side of the family has this like straight natural hair or can be relaxed hair and Anna isn't one of them so we have like this like light skinned dark skinned experience dichotomy Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's never really it's never explored completely and the way that it's explored seems reductive and damaging like right. setting up dark skinned and light skinned women against each other rather than like there really even bringing... feels like inherent competition between Linda and Anna who are like close friends cousins that have um they have this sort of like ingrained competition where Linda yeah. has followed in her parents path and become an academic and so Zor, excuse me, um, Anna is sort of othered by the family. But then there is this moment of reckoning where Anna says, Linda says, you know, I wish that like I had had the option to follow my own path. And she expresses admiration for Anna. But that doesn't sort of like resolve Anna's tenuous position in this family unit where she obviously feels othered and not accepted. It's also like... I don't I don't appreciate the relationships between women in this movie. It's no, like, they're very, very surface level. There's really yeah. no depth or nuance it's, at all. Anna is in competition with all of the women in her office. Even her, like, her, the relationship between her and her mentor is full of, like, strife and jealousy and, mm-hmm. and like, this, the relationship between Anna and her sister, someone that she grew up with, her sister cousin friend is like yeah they ha- why why do they have to be in competition to I, with no each other why can't they be supportive woman of color gets a satisfying arc in this story except for anna but it's really frustrating to see it's, that happen at the expense of other women of color like Sister Soul, for example, was someone who expressed integrity and like a belief in the mission of what culture was trying to accomplish. And an she identity. She knew she was. She knew identity. what she wanted to be. Yeah. And then, you know, Justin Simeon writes it. So she rolls over like literally two scenes later, uh, murders Brooklyn seemingly because of like some inherent competition between them because they're both VJs. And then neither woman is ever heard from again. Mm hmm. Lena Waithe is extraordinarily grating in this movie. She, it's like just comic comedic value without any substantive exploration of a character. And you can have a black woman playing a funny, complex character without it being just like inherently slapstick. I, yeah, there's like, there's no levity. Like, this is, it's just so heavy. Like, there's no, like, it's supposed to be sort of horror comedy, but there's nothing that's, like, funny about it. The funniest part is the two scenes where we get to see Nicole Byers. Like, we get to see her for a very short amount of time. She gets to say a couple quippy things and leave because, like... Nicole Byers, the real MVP of this movie. I totally agree. I love her. Because, okay, first of all, she's a fat woman, and when we see Nicole Byer get her weave, she is like, oh, it's in so tight, like, my boyfriend's gonna fuck it off or whatever, <laughs> fuck it loose. Which, like, Just it's kidding, great. I paid a lot for <laughs> Just this. kidding, I paid a lot for it. So you're seeing, like, a fat woman, a fat black woman, like, be comedic, but be complex, have romantic relationships, not be other to just being, like, kind of goofy, like, goofy fat lady. And she, um, you know, even in the two scenes that she does have, like, she handles things with, like, grace, humility, funniness. Like, it's just a little, it feels more nuanced than almost every other performance in this movie. 
And I... I don't yeah, know why I said humility. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I just started saying it, and then it just happened. You started saying words that ended in T-Y. I don't know how to talk. Who knows know that. how to talk? Um, good thing we don't have a podcast where all we do is talk. Yeah, good thing we're not, like, kind of drunk trying to talk about a movie we have no business talking about. I'm... Yeah, I'm getting a little drunk. Uh, Full so, disclosure, we're just, we're recording Valentine next, so we're doing a double header. Get and ready I need for to it. be like three sheets for that shit because <laughs> I can't even get up. into it. I'm gonna get drunk clean the house later, so I've got a plan. Nice. Um, I'm probably gonna get high and watch Bravo. Nice. Thank you. I just yeah, the relationships between so like as per the what was it Vox or the L.A. Times article that Justin Simeon was talking about this movie was talking about how it's a love letter to black women yes but hold on i don't agree but i don't agree but i'm also not a black woman so so it's really hard for us to like stand on the soapbox and say like no this is damaging and problematic because it also offers representation it offers like an open mainstream discussion of hair culture and biases inherent in black hair culture but it also it just doesn't do enough i i also like it's kind of upsetting to me that justin simeon is making this movie about black women about their experiences with their identity and with their hair and with their appearances and with their ability to white pass but does not give any writing credit to a black woman even though it's actually insane he's got just a whole world a whole wide world full of black women mm-hmm. to talk to and to give writing credit to including lena waith like it is incredible to me time. that lena waith was a source of like inspiration or a, like person that he called on for support when creating this movie particularly because her character arc and her um like storyline is probably the worst one it's really wild yeah. she does nothing she says like what should be funny lines that don't quite land and don't give any sort of like levity to no. any of like the really dark it just is feels... a real a true horror comedy is not like surface level joke cracking it is mm-hmm. like it finds a way to intertwine like the scariness and this like real sinister nature of what you're seeing with like levity with humor and with nuance and grace and that's this is just so clunky it's clunky yeah i agree and i I want to oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna mention my the most helpful source i found when we were talking about um this movie is the Vulture Review by mm-hmm. Angelica Jade Bastien, who is a woman of color that reviewed this movie and found a lot of fault with it. Um, fault and that I, we have also found and yes. agree with wholeheartedly. <laughs> I just accidentally clicked into my notes for <laughs> Valentine and I was like, Orientalism, what? <laughs> um. <laughs> Not ready. Um, so she says, if this is a love letter to black women, it's written with a poison pen, which is intense and so something that she pointed out that i wouldn't have thought of that i found really helpful um was her talking about how this movie pathologizes the relationship that black women have to their hair uh she says it sets black women taking care of their hair and having these really personal intimate relationships with their own um appearance as something that serves no purpose outside of putting them at odds with white supremacist culture so Mm -hmm. this trope of white supremacy using western hair and beauty standards to control black women 
is capitalized on to great advantage in this movie without a real like meaningful careful look at what hair culture actually means to black women and obviously as someone who has never had that experience in society of feeling pathologized because of some of the like ways I take care of myself well I mean there's like the fat phobia thing but that's not what we're talking about and it's right like, we're not talking about that. <laughs> I mean yeah there's like it was things really that, helpful yeah right that black woman experience that I don't experience like I experience different things as a brown woman is like my amount of body hair the amount of eyebrows and mustache and unibrow that I have you know like there's it's just like every woman has a different experience have you ever gotten to get your eyebrows done and they do your mustache and your chin without asking you no, I've never, I don't, um, I've never I, my eyebrows done. I raise my chin hairs from sprouts and I take care <gasps> of them like little pets and I don't appreciate someone telling me they don't belong on my face. I, like, have had a very complex relationship with my body hair. Is that, like, I have a decent amount of it and I have grown to be proud of it. Like, one of my, we were discussing this before we started recording, is that one of my armpit hairs grows more than the other, and I'm proud of them. Thank you, right armpit, for growing hair to protect me. Like, it's just, like, something that, like, we all have complex relationships to our bodies as women because we're Mm -hmm. constantly told that they're not right and they're wrong and they should look like something else. And, like, not consulting, not truly consulting black women about how they feel about themselves. How they feel about their hair. How they feel about the routine that they've crafted around their hair, which is extremely intimate. Like, it's it's a huge oversight and a huge misstep. It's upsetting. It is upsetting. Do you want to talk about the handling of indigenous people? I don't really, but let's do it. Uh, Suffice it to say, it's really bad. And (laughs) um, it's actually, I mean, they handle indigenous culture and indigenous folklore with a white supremacist lens. So, whoops. Othered people, othering other people is not... Ain't cool with me, bro. Like, let's not. Let's heard not do it, it here first. It ain't cool with Rebecca, bro. Um, <laughs> but the conversation I... <laughs> that um, Uncle Amos and Anna have in the kitchen, basically indigenous folklore is just kind of like lumped in with um, these sort of like slave narratives, which mm-hmm. is fine because there was probably a lot of overlap between those two other groups of people crafting their folklore Um in this colonized country that they were trying to survive in. Uh, But uh, my problem is they basically just say indigenous people believe like your spirit lives in your hair, so you never cut it. So it's a generalization. I know that a lot of indigenous tribes do have uh, strong beliefs around their hair and hair culture and keeping it long, but no specific tribe is mentioned and it's just sort of like used as a crutch to hold up the black hair folklore that we're learning about in this movie. And there's no sincere exploration of indigenous culture. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say it, if you're gonna say, if you're gonna mention anything, because the first line of the moss-haired girl story, which is the African folk tale that we're following, that's sort of akin to what Anna is experiencing, the first line is, at first there were only the beasts and the red men, which is upsetting. In and, and of itself. And they seem to, like, put this, like, laser focus on it. Like, they literally yeah. show the text on screen and it, like, 
highlights those words as it goes over them. It serves no plot point, like literally at all. It's just it just it feels so bad. Yeah, and and yeah, like it's it's not. I don't these like very diverse, very rich indigenous cultures that are totally separate from one another and have like their own sort of histories. Like you don't need to be lumping them together. And it goes like the way that white people do. Like it's not. Yeah. It goes without saying that the American education system has failed us in instructing us about colonization, about the fact that we live on stolen land and about the tribes that live like I know the Massachusetts tribe lives in this area, but honestly, I don't know a lot of the tribes that live here, which is my fucking problem. But um, it's also like they, you know, they don't always need white people to be interested in them. Like they just need to flourish and, you know, have their own land and their own space and be able to have the resources that they have. Right. Anyway, I won't tell, I won't say this was racist and I won't say that it was white supremacist but it was tone deaf it was mishandled and it was kind of like surprising to see a member of a marginalized group further marginalize another group of people group of people i was just like confused and surprised by it i'm like yeah america has has just committed so many atrocities and like it's not it's not okay for, like, to further disenfranchise a group of people. You know, like, maybe no. let's be, let's be more <laughs> empathetic. Let's, let's be more knowledgeable about if we're going to throw this in. There's also a line that I Brooke think that said, is, like, the says, number one thing this movie lacked was, like, real true empathy for marginalized anybody. groups and marginalized people. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, because, the most, like, sensitively handled person was Grant Madison because he never really has to, like own up to what he has been perpetuating is like i really wish like the white guy is the bad guy let's make him the bad guy let's not make another black woman the bad guy why do two black women have to be in competition and be against each other that doesn't feel productive to me but this is like where i felt this eh. movie was at odds because it's sort of like okay you're trying to create a camp movie you're trying to create something that has like wonder is over the top like is not what we expect you're trying to like elicit campiness but then you're also providing like a fairly accurate kind of like micro microcosm of like racism in america so the overarching theme is like there is no resolution Nothing happens to, like, hold Grant accountable because that's what white supremacy does, right? Right. But is it possible? Which is fair. Yes. It's completely fair, and it's a completely valid movie to make. But Mm -hmm. my question is, can camp really exist in its, like, full, like, fervor in that kind of movie? I guess, like, I just... I wish I understood what this movie is trying to accomplish because right. I, do appre- I do appreciate do? watching a movie that's like, yes, this is cyclical. This is like a small microcosm, like talking about black hair culture, particularly for women, female identifying people. And this is how like cyclical it is. This is how it's damaging. This is how these white supremacist norms are upheld and perpetrated against women of color. Great, but it's a horror comedy, and it's also trying to achieve camp. Like, I just feel like my head was spinning the whole time. I I just, like, I think that it's 
fair. Like, I want to see more black stories. I want to see more black horror stories. I love, a, like, I, please give me somebody besides just a full white cast in a movie. Please. Honestly, I'm begging great. for yeah. it. Yeah, I I love to watch as we black people create garbage. Valentine I would rather, right after this. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I I just like we said with Jennifer's body is that like women should be allowed to create garbage and so should black people. Like I want to I want to see it. I I love to see it. But, but like, is it okay for anybody be to better. create garbage at the expense yeah. of another marginalized group? I can't. Agree I feel with like that. this <laughs> would be more productive. Like because it feels like Justin Simeon, just like with Dear White People, he's making a movie about his own experiences but he is not a black woman he has not had to deal with the things that black women have to deal with so like make a make a movie about yourself like if you have these sort of complex issues about yourself like your colorism that you've experienced the racism that you've experienced make that movie don't make don't try to shoehorn your experiences into the experiences of black women it's not gonna work and that's what this feels like and it isn't really excusable that he's the only writing credit on this movie. It feels like he's the only writing credit on this movie. It feels movie. like it. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, I watched, so the only other sort of Justin Simeon joint that I watched was Dear White People. I watched the movie and I watched the Netflix, like, the first couple seasons of the Netflix show. And I like it. Like, it has sort of, like, quippy, funny elements, but it does have that sort of he's like holding back like he's almost he's like almost campy and almost funny but not quite he like doesn't make it all the way there it's not there yeah yeah and it's the same thing like it's he's like going for camp and he's going for horror comedy and the horror elements in this movie are not it's not horror and like the cgi hair is bad i actually enjoyed the cgi hair it is terrible but it's fun Although it's very visceral, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just wish it was better. But it's also hard to, like, have him speaking for every, like, every black creator. And it's, it's really like, hard we should to give see everyone a chance. really incredible black actresses uh, just and unutilized and, yeah. and be playing these, like, completely one-note roles. Uh, and then, yeah, it was... Angelica Jade Bastian that pointed out that um, Vanessa Williams played a like super nuanced, like kind of nasty, like yeah, catty good villain villain on Ugly Betty, but it wasn't this like one note, one dimensional, nothing character. Like she played it with a lot behind it, with and she a brought lot a lot of, of life to it and a lot of nuance. And nobody, no actress or actor, could bring any nuance to the writing of this movie <laughs> like it's if just... you have never watched ugly betty fucking watch talk it. about I love i it's so fucking campy it's so su- successful it's like putting a latina woman in a protagonist role and like it's yeah it's like and a black woman is our sort of antagonist but you are sort of kind of rooting for wilhelmina slater because she's so fun and i she's love so funny slater, yeah. and she's so like hot and mean and like it's just it's a great she's it's like great performances all around and i love america Ferreira. so i can't hate a hot mean queen yeah and like also, like, uh, Real Women Have Curves was, like, the first time I was, like, oh. Yeah, I, can, I mean, it, like, I, it's Women not, can be fat and cool not and not fat, have to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hollywood fat. But, like, but being, like, 
okay with the way that they're looking, you know, and not yes. being ashamed of it was like, oh, wow, what a revelation. So. So I want to read um, on the note of performances of the actresses in this movie. Um, Bastien also says, Elle Lorraine lends Anna an anxious, flighty quality she can't shake once the character becomes more vengeful, turning into a black hole where charisma goes to die. <laughs> it's a very accurate description. It's a read. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, she also says, but- it, this may posture as if it's for black women and black audiences, but it's too patronizing for that. And she says, every time a character says the word sista, it makes her skin crawl. <laughs> Yeah, I did not like saying Sister Soul over and over and over no. again. But that's her the only name we get for that character. So I as a person who is ne- who doesn't who should never say the word sister, I I don't like I it. say sister like to my actual sister. That's the only person who I refer to as sister. And I've never called her I'm like you're me. Yeah, you're not in like a Victorian novel on the English yeah, Moors. Like, sister <laughs> She does. My sister is um, Annie, who's probably listening. Hey, um, Annie. Hi, Annie. Love you. Okay. Uh, she is, she loves, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on the name? Pride and Prejudice. Who's oh, that? Oh, hell yeah. I'll fuck up some masterpieces. Jane Austen. She's like all about those like Victorian era, like sort of demure women. And I'm Listen, the Pride and Prejudice. Of that. For being so anti horny is also horny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, I've never read it, and I probably will never read it. I don't so. believe you will, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm past the point. Yeah. I was Any... too busy being obsessed with Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Are you surprised? No, but I do actually really love a lot of Salinger, which is another one of my toxic traits. Um, You should read Raise High the Roof Beams. I've already read it. I've read it's, them all. No, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. Oh, I thought you were, them I thought you were coming it. at me. I just got really defensive. Seymour. No, I wasn't. Seymour is like... The first story of nine stories is my favorite. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. Work. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking, but so beautifully written. And like, just read it. Seymour is great. We should have a little book club. Um. So speaking of, Bartleby is named after Herman Melville's story. So I'm like, just all about the like turn of the century authors. Yeah, you know? seriously. White guy authors. <laughs> I can't. Hard not to read a white guy in like Don't. 1902. I prefer not to. Yeah, I'm pretty anti-reading white guys right now. Oh my god, I'm reading that book that you got me. Um, The Nature of Life and Death, Everybody Leaves a Trace. Uh, Just want to say, it's a Is lot it of good anthropology information. It's about forensic anthropology, particularly mm-hmm. being able to trace people through like the pollen and plant matter that's left on their clothes or whatever. But I'll tell you what, this lady who wrote it loves the word prostitute. I do not want to hear oh, that word anymore, madam. <laughs> no. I uh, I kind of read it and I was like, did someone like greenlight this and copy edit it? Like, <laughs> I didn't. So I have never read the book. But when I was in Trident Bookstore, when I was we buying love you, your birthday Trident. present last year, I was like, plants and murder sounds like Abby. It's very right interesting. Lane. Yeah. Yeah, because she talks about basically how... Like, the countryside has many plants, but it's not homogenous. Like, a lot of the same things grow in a lot of areas, but you can narrow it down to, like, a six-foot area of hedge based on all the different things you get because there's just so much variation. 
Weird. It's just when she talks about herself or like she'll be like, I felt so bad for this one case. It was like a mother of six that had to prostitute herself. I was like, or maybe she fucking did sex work because it's real work. Patricia Wiltshire. Okay. I, I feel I like have a. I if anybody ever says that word to me or says there's like a lot of words that I think people are still using that like maybe let's examine the like people who aren't as maybe as progressive or don't listen to this sort of podcast that I listen to I'm like let's examine why you're using the p word or why you're using the r word is like Like, are you using the p word because you don't know a better word because you don't know and my husband the beautiful man that he is has like really done the work and has like really examined himself and like only uses like the term sex work or sex worker and like encourages his friends to do that and like I'm getting a little teary-eyed because we he's done a lot of work and there's like a lot of toxic masculinity and a lot of toxicity in our own the like language is important and like the way that you wield your words and the sort of the like throwaway lines that you think mean nothing mean a lot and yeah and like we all need to be better did i tell you how adam went ham on a reddit thread because somebody (laughs) somebody asked us if Somebody asked on our Boston, the subreddit for Boston, if Roxbury, where we live, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, is safe to move into. And Adam was like, I'm more no, fucking scared of those. Fuck yeah, we're like, we don't want you here. But he was like, I'm more scared of the white Northeastern kids that are like roaming around drunk as shit, like doing stupid shit. But like the people that live in the community here and have for like their whole lives, like don't want your bullshit if you're going to come here. And it's like not be feeling safe in our community. And he was like, maybe if you're asking if you should you feel safe, you should examine who you think you need to be safe from. And I was like, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, Adam. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I and we live in Phoenix is like I don't experience the same colorism that I experienced a lot in Boston. Boston is because really, really racist. Really racist. And there are a lot more brown people. It's like we're like Arizona is a border state. Like there are mm-hmm. a lot of brown people who live here. And so I don't experience the same kind of colorism. But there's like a, lo- there's like a lot of people experiencing homelessness here. And uh, like the neighborhood that I live in, downtown Phoenix, is like has a lot of issues with housing and with people getting thrown out of houses because of the housing boom in 2007 and mm-hmm. because of the collapse and to you know it's just like there's a lot of um there's just like a lot of zoning issues and like I and there's like there's a park right across the street from us where they're trying to kick they were literally trying to kick people out like this community of people just trying to live and trying to fucking make sure they have somewhere to go to the fucking bathroom. They were trying to throw them out, and there was, like, a huge protest, and, like, I'm just very proud of my community I, activism. nothing and I hate more than hostile architecture. That shit really grinds my gears. It grinds my gears. And there's, like, it's an open park. They, whoever wants to stay there overnight should be able to feel safe wherever yeah. they feel safe. Like, it's not, like, let them fucking go to sleep. Leave them alone. And Caesar, like has all these clothes that he wanted, like, he's getting rid of, and he's like, I'm just gonna hand them to, like, there's a guy who, like, hangs out on the corner, and he's like, I'm just gonna go hand them to somebody who needs them, like. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, (laughs) yes, like don't need to go through a non-profit to help people. Please don't. Um, And, oh, something else we've been doing that's been great is uh, making, 
making meals for our community fridge. And I would totally advise that you look up if there's a community fridge in your area. If there's not, start one. Um, people can take whatever they need and uh, then anybody can leave food there. There's, like, there's gentle- also a lot of like mutual aid drop-off zones. Yeah, and it works. Of- like mutual aid works. And if you don't have to jump through hoops and like deal with nonprofits – like, you can literally directly just drop food off and then someone who needs it can pick it up. and Take a case of soup yeah, to a spot. And Take some water I feel to like politicians often try to appropriate mutual aid by, like, visiting these hot spots for, like, oh, yeah, your their campaigns. Instagram yeah, I was heated when I saw that. But, like, mm-hmm. we protect each other, you guys. We take care of each other. We can't look to the elite. The poor have to take care of the poor. We so. do. Um, any last thoughts on bad hair? I don't even remember what we're talking about. I, um, I don't know. Nicole Byer. We love Is you, it Byer or Byers? It's Byer. It's Byer? Okay. Yeah, she's, I love her. She's nasty. She makes Nailed It worth watching. She's the, she's my favorite part. <laughs> the funny thing is she talks about this on her podcast, Why Won't You Date Me, is like, a lot of kids, like, nailed it and watch it, but then they'll try to, like, go watch her stand-up where she's talking about just, like, deep-throating dicks, and it's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. She's hilarious. Um, I just think that, like, even though we, yeah, we're not, we're white people for the most part. I don't know what I am. Uh, it's Spicy that, like, white. Spicy. I'm a spicy white, uh, which is from the Thirst Aid Kit hosted by two black women who is since they've stopped creating the show but go listen to it because it's uh beautiful it's a great show i hate uh, it when but the best podcasters stop making podcasts that's why we'll it's not us forever. we'll be doing this forever <laughs> um but they but like women i don't like the relationships between women in this sh- this movie are not practical like the women in my life are some of the greatest i've ever known like i would never She's I don't feel in competition me. with them. I'm talking about Abby specifically, <laughs> who I once worked with for a very brief, for a very brief, brief amount of time. time and, like, yeah, have I feel since like cult- tried to cultivate a relationship with, so. I just, I am, like, there are some people in my life where I'm, like, very thirsty. Like, if Caroline Adams' cousin is listening, the first time I met her, I was like, I'm thirsty for your friendship, and I will make it happen, <laughs> like, at risk of my own dignity. I'm ready to do this. <laughs> but, yeah, right. I mean, I also... I'm an earth sign, uh, so I'm, like, very specific. No, uh, I, like, always cultivate the relationships that I believe are worthwhile, and I feel like, I don't know, we were just talking about, like, I would rather be, like, broke and make sure, like, my family's healthy healthy and happy than, like, I don't know, have any kind of, like, weird inherent professional or personal competition with my loved ones. I just want to, like, be cool. I don't, I don't feel any sort of pull to, like, be successful in a professional setting. Like, I would rather it's because capitalism is a joke for and the rest of my, it's a fucking joke. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. And I just, like, I want my friends and my family to be happy. And yeah, like, I would, I would much rather, like, I have such an amazing relationship with my sister and, like, a lot of my friends are women and a lot of people that I used to work with are my friends. And, like, I would never feel, like, I want to be above them. Like, fuck that. Fuck the boss. Fuck no, the money. I don't, like, give a shit. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so just saying, women, everybody. like, women, trans women, trans men, 
All of us need to stick together against these cis white dudes that won't go to therapy, you guys. Disgusting. We need help. It's also like Julius is not worth fucking. Like Anna and Zora could have done a lot better. And they do not need to be competing over this one he did some skits that were funny. He's not great. Like, I just don't think move he on. needed to be stabbed repeatedly with a wine glass, which was definitely right. high body horror and pretty disgusting. I just but yeah, didn't it just feel wasn't even any, like worth the plot yeah. point, honestly. Yeah, I didn't feel anything when anybody died in this movie, which is part of the problem. I but. don't feel anything ever because I am dead inside, and with that, <laughs> we'll leave you. Okay, if you want to follow us on Instagram. To this. Excuse me. Or don't. Listen to Abby for a couple more minutes and then... You guys, just one more second. Listen to okay. At Spooky Succubus underscore cast on Instagram that has the link tree to all our shits. If you go on Patreon, we'll put literally photos of our entire driver's licenses. We don't care. You can have my birth date, my social security number. Fine. Please improve my credit. Please improve our credit. <laughs> Steal our identity and fix our credit. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back next week, aka we're recording it right now. Right For now. Valentine from 2001, a David Boreanaz joint. I get ready for me to be so thirsty. For David He's Boreanaz. so hot. We need to get drunk. I love because him. Let's get drunk. Too late. Right now. <laughs> okay, late. we're going to sign. What was your new sign off that you invented for us? Oh, uh, fuck capitalism. Fuck racism. Fuck money. Fuck the police. Fuck, fuck the police. Number one. Fuck the police. Fuck any romantic partner that's making you feel shitty. Fuck fat phobia. Fuck fat phobia. Fuck the military. Fuck each other. Fuck Joe Biden. In a nice fuck, way. Fuck each other in a nice way. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.